it's impossible for somebody to be wrong 100% of the time. And the reason I love that particular quote is because when I'm actually dealing with something, also not possible for somebody to be right 100% of the time. It just allows me that little room for skepticism, not only of what I'm actually witnessing, but what I would say and what I'm doing. It's like, is this actually match? So it just gives me a little bit of space so that I can actually witness my own processes as they're happening as well. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Todd, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited today to talk to you about your book, Team Positive, How to Build Support for Someone Coping with Chronic Illness. Thanks again, Todd, for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Aaron, for having me. This is a unique opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Todd, before we jump into your book, uh, would you just mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you've got going on right now? Sure. So, Long, long short story short, I've uh, been involved in, as a helping professional since uh, 1998, although right before that, I was actually, believe it or not, a sixth grade teacher for a little while, which was a lovely job, but uh, I'd actually gone to school to get my ma- first master's in public health, and that's what I rolled into, like behavior modifications and programs like that. So I've been swimming in this stuff for quite some time, and then Later in my life, I realized um, I really missed the, the one-to-one, and I really wanted to go more back into a patient-oriented model. So I went back to school, got another master's in clinical mental health counseling, and then opened, did the agency work, opened up a private practice, and then began to narrow my scope. Um, did a lot with, with chronic illness, just because my background as a patient educator. It was, it was a really nice overlap, and I'm glad that I stayed that route. Uh, because of what eventually happened with my father and, and my uh, my wife, it was good to have the skills to be able to pull on that. Um, the other area I focus on heavily is anxiety disorders, and then I do a lot of couples counseling. And you might not think that the you know how if you're doing those other two, how are you doing couples counseling? Well, if you're in a bad position with your spouse or your partner or whomever, uh, there's anxiety when it comes to that. Yeah. So they definitely go hand in hand. A lot of the tools definitely overlap chronic illness, anxiety as well. That's the background of it. And then uh, like we were talking right before we, we started this, 2014, my father ends up getting diagnosed with cancer and you know, utilized a lot of different steps. Uh, there was a, the story I told you a little bit about at Christmas time. Everybody was, there was a pink elephant in the room, a storm hanging over everybody's head. And my father was like, no, enough. This is, we can't do this. This may be the last Christmas. And we're just like, oh, geez. And, you know, it's like, I just, I want to, and I said, what, you know what, that great idea, we should really focus on the positive connection, the positive piece. Let's make this, what's a gift that we can give ourselves in the future, whether you're here or not? What can we give our gift right now? So, and he's like, that's a great idea. So it's, you're my team positive. So that's where the title for the book came from. It was just born out of our family. 
struggling and trying to figure out what we were going to do to move forward. And we've always been more optimistic um, belief that things will work out, you know, fine. Now, your definition of fine may be a loose definition, but we always just try to keep that focus. And I think that's what's helped us as a family. And then once we had that structure in place, we understood the particular, we came up with kind of loose rules working with him and each other in that, in a structure, which ends up in the book. We call it, I call it eventually the pyramid of support because it really gives you a visualization. The person who's sick is on top. The person who's the immediate support person is the, the next stage below. We call that person the champion. And below that's the fellowship. You're on the Lord of the Rings buff. So I have to put the mythology <laughs> out of there. But it helps people to immediately identify where it is that they fall in place. Complaints can go down the pyramid, supports up the pyramid, which is implied. A pyramid, obviously, you can't put something on top if you don't have a strong base below it. What was great about that, though, is that it, about a year after, my father actually is fine and, and kicking just well. Right when he just got out of the woods, my wife got sick and eventually was diagnosed with Crohn's. And there was a bunch of complications along the way. And what was great is because the framework was there, I didn't have to, as the champion now, I didn't have to ask or worry that I was a burden on the people that were below me in my team. And my wife did not have to worry about that either. If she needed something, we just, that's it. No, nope, you drop everything, we'll take care of that. And then we never complained up. If I had a bad day at work, I'm not <laughs> telling her about it. I'll tell my mom, I'll tell a friend of mine. So it was really nice to have that framework as a support person to know what we should do next. Because while there is some nice stuff out there for people going through the actual illness themselves, there's not a whole lot when it comes to actually supporting the support person. So this book actually has that is dedicated towards the person with the illness and towards the person supporting that person. And it really gives everybody defined roles so that there's no question in your mind. Because the worst thing you want is you don't understand what the disease is. You don't understand how to treat it. You don't want one more thing. How do I interact with everybody? How do I interact with the medical team? How do I interact with, you know, Uncle Fred who keeps calling trying to figure out what's going on? Not that I have an Uncle Fred, just throwing out <laughs> a, a name. So that's where the whole birth of this idea, that was, that's my background. And then the initial reason I started to write this and I kept it in the back of my head the entire time was I would like to be able to hand those patients that I'm working with that have chronic health issues, a book that I know has worked. And what's also nice is that I've tried a lot of these tools that I use with my family. I knew that they worked because I had already seen them work in my practice. So it's kind of been a back and forth where things came from. I'm not, it's been organic, but the book actually helped me to solidify that. And now I finally have that one thing that I can hand not only to those with a physical illness, but anxiety and depression, because those are chronic too. So yeah. this book really kind of goes across the board. Amazing. No, that's well needed uh, coming from that, uh, having that experience myself there, Todd. I, right, I think, Yeah, I think that definitely help a lot of people understand, you know, where they're at right. with uh, supporting the person that's going through something challenging like Crohn's or uh, cancer or something like that. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about one of the specific components of that pyramid, um, maybe even speaking about the highest level, if you are a person that's trying to be that support, you know, closest support for the individual and in, in, you know, going through that challenge, what would you say to that person right now or what practical things would you suggest? Sure. So first off is just think of 
just about any mythology. If you're a, a Joseph Campbell fan at all, if you're familiar with the power of myth, that was also part of what I was utilizing in this book because people can align to that. If you have like Perseus and then the people that were behind him, or even better, I'll just go with Lord of the Rings since most people are somewhat aware of that. Yeah. Frodo find, gets the ring. The ring is the illness. It's the thing he didn't want. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't ask to become the hero. And sometimes some people resent being called the hero. And a lot of times that's the typical in the medical system. That's what they do. You're the hero. But they're like a hero. They're like, well, that means that I'm, I'm choosing this to be courageous. And I was like, well, yeah. But if you look at the traditional view of a hero, they didn't want anything to do with it. Frodo really didn't want to carry that ring. It wasn't the thing he wanted. He wished that he could pass it off to somebody else. It wasn't like he wanted it. Luke Skywalker, or even in the new movies, uh, Ray, you know, they don't necessarily want to be in that position, but they find themselves and there's nothing up. They don't have a choice. So if you're at the top, the, the book itself is really focusing on being present with that, being grounded and, be, and becoming better, okay, accepting that aspect. Now, I am an ACT therapist. And so one of the, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. And there's a lot of components inside of there of you can accept it. Doesn't mean that you like it. It just means that, okay, this is how it is. And me fighting against it is wasting time and energy. Okay. And wouldn't it be better to take that, just set it in your lap and focus on, on the powers. What can I do to make myself 1% better tomorrow, to make the situation 1% better? Even if it's just after chemotherapy, not wanting to get out of bed because you have zero energy. Well, if I could at least just sit up, that will be better today than yesterday. That's it. And you may not seem like much, but for you, the person that's actually dealing with it, that's a lot. Yeah. That's, that's like Frodo trying to, you know, climb up the side of the mountain. That's, that's your mountain for the day. And, you know, that's a really simple version. I'm sure that you're going to do more than sit up, but just getting up and trying to, to, so one of the big tips is trying to keep your schedule as close to what it once was, but don't try to force yourself to your original schedule because you're not in the same state. You can't do the things that you that once did. Well, a big trap that people will get stuck in is I, I wish I had my old life back. Yeah. But your old life, you didn't, you know, your old life, you didn't know that this was even beginning to happen. Your old life, you know, there was, was it really as good as what you were thinking? Yeah. So there's, and you don't know, you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. So that for the hero, the person on top, that would be one of my biggest tips. Now, for the person that's in the supportive role is don't be afraid to be the advocate, to get out there. And especially when you're going into work with docs is a, yeah, or the medical system, you got to be the eyes and the ears because as you probably experienced, when the doctor's telling you something, you're, you as the hero, you're trying to pay attention to everything and you're being flooded by emotion. Yeah. So what the advocate has to do is put things in check for the moment, pay attention to what's going on, write everything down, be ready to follow up, knowing that they're probably only getting half of it. Right, yeah. So having a notebook with you all the time to write everything down is extremely useful. And then taking time, because a lot of times there's guilt associated with, I have to dedicate myself solely to the, to the hero. Well, if you don't take time to take care of yourself, then you'll have what we call compassion fatigue and you'll become irritable and you won't relate as well as you could to that person. You might even begin to resent that person. Yeah. So, and, I, and I've heard of all extremes, but 
And some people, they can bear it on their shoulders and keep going. That's just how they are. That's how they're built. But that's not a significant portion of people that can pull that off. And they still need time to go and play a game of solitaire quiet by themselves. That was one of my mom's favorite things was, okay, my dad's all set. Everything's good. Solitaire time. And she'd pull out the deck of cards and start playing solitaire. So having the self-care component inside, not only for the hero, but for the, the support people as well. And then down the pyramid, it's the next one down would be the fellowship. And those are aunts and uncles and close friends and neighbors and all everybody that wants to bring you brownies and cookies and meatloaf. And, you know, you ask and you try to support as best you can. And then it's just more important to actually be careful what you say. Because a lot of times, like, what did you do to get Crohn's? Oh, it must have been all that red meat you were eating. <laughs> yeah, no, not right now. So remember, the, we don't want to do any kind of complaints or things that even look like complaints going yeah. up. The, the, the pyramid is just support. What can I do to help you? Oh, no more meatloaf. Okay. Is there something I just, I want to help. Just let me know what I can do to help. And that would be the best way to keep communicating upwards. And then at the very bottom is the village. It's the, the medical communities, the churches, the schools, whoever, whatever you're involved with. They'll also most likely want to align and help out somewhat. So I hope that answered that question. And yeah, that was very, uh, Deep and uh, exactly what I wanted to hear. I, I could relate to a lot of what you said as you walked through it from my own experience. So appreciate you walking through it. Sure. What would you say the listeners or readers should take away from your book if you were to just give them one thing to take away from it? Psychological flexibility. Okay, psychological. So to expand on that just a little bit. Yeah. I think one of the most important components to the type of therapy that I do and that I think people would benefit most from, whether it's it's a chronic illness or not, is the ability to be aware, like in the moment, aware of your automatic behaviors, understand little things that you can begin to practice that, that are life skills that you can utilize each day, like mindfulness, the diet, like you were talking about earlier, um, just physical activities. And then being focused, but not overly focused on an outcome. And then understanding your values. When you have these components in place, then you actually develop what I would call psychological flexibility. That is, you're able to move and shape and accept and then push beyond to the best of your ability. Yeah. And that's so, I talk about that quite a bit. My, my main goal is helping people to develop psychological flexibility. Versus yeah. being rigid, because rigid really won't get you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to, definitely have to be able to adapt and change the way you're thinking about maybe your life before and what it is now. I, I totally agree. Well, uh, Todd, could you just talk a little bit more about who has influenced you to become who you are today, to be doing this uh, great work, helping others, you know, writing a book, Team Positive, which is, uh, you know, I always believe writing a book is a huge accomplishment. So who's influenced you the most, Todd? Yeah, and that was... Um... As I was writing the book, it dawned on me partly through it. And I, instead of doing uh, the references or uh, acknowledgements, I actually called it gratitudes. Because what I realized is that what I was really doing was, was writing kind of a collective mindset. I, I just happened to be the hands and the keyboard or the, or the pen that was taking all this and funneling it and putting it down. And that I've been influenced by quite a few. Obviously, my parents, and you can't. From day one, they had the biggest <laughs> influence on me. Yeah. Back in the sixth grade, I had gone through something that they thought I had Crohn's. 
Um, I was in and out of the hospital from the sixth through the eighth grade. Great amount of teasing that went along with that too, being that age. Yeah, it, that's just what kids do. Yeah, they were amazing. They were just like, nope, don't let it bother you. This will be over someday. You look back on that. That shaped my life. The the people who were kind to me that they shaped my life. And then the doctors at that time obviously shaped my life because I was like, you're making my life more bearable. Compassion. So they taught me compassion. My grandparents also, especially um, the grandparents on my uh, my mother's side, they laid a foundation for some of the, the stronger values that I have. My brothers had an influence. My wife most certainly has been influencing me for the last 20 some years and, and vice versa. But it was really, really cool to have her do the developmental editing for my book because she yeah. edited, she cut out about a third of it and made it way, way more succinct. That's her superpower. <laughs> like make things like super succinct, awesome. understandable. So I would say they shaped me, but then I've worked with somebody like Dr. Foreman. There's been a bunch of teachers and a couple of therapist friends of mine. Martha is a, one of my, my good close we work together a lot on different in different cases. And so she's shaped me over the years. There's too many to name. There's just, there's just too many people. I, I hate to leave anybody out. So yeah. you out then, you know, that's you're in my mind. But I, I think of like Mr. Esper from the eleventh grade, you know, it, he was a history teacher. So there it's been teachers and role models along the way. And then Amazing. historical people I've never met, right? Yeah. Other books you've read, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't. I, it's a difficult question to ask, but I, or answer, but I would definitely go with people that I'm heavily involved with. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those, Todd. Mm-hmm. What about a favorite quote? Anything that maybe uh, inspires you often, or that you live by? Something maybe you wrote in the book. So one of my absolute favorite quotes, especially when dealing with this, is actually from a guy named Ken Wilber, and he has a, a funny quote that's. It's impossible for somebody to be wrong 100% of the time. And the reason I love that particular quote is because when I'm actually dealing with something, also not possible for somebody to be right 100% of the time. It just allows me that little room for skepticism, not only of what I'm actually witnessing, but what I, what I say and what I'm doing. It's like, is this actually magic? So it just gives me a little bit of space. Yeah. So that I can actually witness my own processes as they're happening as well. So I would say that that's probably one of my, you know, I, I use that quote quite a bit. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing it, Todd. Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the book writing process, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, <laughs> was uh, wondering if you could share any tips or tricks that you learned while you were writing. Is something maybe you wish you'd have known before you started writing that you know now after having published your book? Yeah, well, I think... For a little while, uh, I actually had started to write a completely different book. And then what happened was, is just what happened in our life. And that other one got put on hold and eventually I'll probably, I'll go back to it. Although some of it ended up in here anyways. It's what I noticed people were asking me for almost in a, in a desperate way. That's, I was like, oh, this is, I got it. This is what I got to do. Yeah. And I take time to actually figure out what about my prime values are, my core values are, and they all lined up with this. And there's a whole approach that I utilize to do that. And that's actually what the next book will be about. But that helped me to get it going. Now, the technical components was, it was cool to do this with my dad. And then I found a program called Scrivener. And I really loved Scrivener because it actually allowed me to, it's like little post-it notes. And I can move them around. So I could throw ideas out. Because what I basically decided to do was, 
I've done a 90-day video challenge that I found on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen that before. Miles Beckler it was awesome because it just kind of helped me to figure out this process. So I said to my father, I'm like, 90 days, Dad. We have to, I'm going to write for 90 days every single day for an hour. And then I'm going to keep sending you things. And then you can tweak it up, make sure it sounds right, send it back. And after 90 days, we, we basically had a rough manuscript. And then I said, okay. And then I talked with my wife. I'm like, so 90 days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend, we're going to just like cut this up and polish it up big time. And then after that, I actually went and got an, a professional editor to help with the next, to help me get it over the next line. And I'm so glad I did because she had some really invaluable feedback and, and ran over it uh, three different times with two different sets of eyes and really cleaned it up. And then I didn't want to, but I figured about, you know, the, the amount of money I went in, it was maybe 10% or 15% more to actually get somebody to actually to design the cover and give me the, the cover that looked way more professional. Yeah, I, I, did a nice, I did a nice cover, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. It wasn't inspiring when, when she finally came up with this. With I said, I really want the illustration. This is the symbology that I want in this book. And she got it and she listened to me and she put it all in place. And so that was, that was pretty cool. What I didn't expect, I guess, was the when I finally realized to horror that I'm going to have to just keep editing and re-editing and re-editing and re-editing. I didn't realize that part of the process. But another another old story I've had that it's like once the hat's over the wall, once the hat's over the fence, you're in. So once you're committed, you what am I going to stop now? I'm like I'm like halfway through the project. Yeah. Right. And some people might, but I was like, no, I've already, get, you know, at this point, the return on the investment, my time and my energy and even money at this point, yeah, there's no turning back. I have to keep moving forward. It's not that far off from dealing with an illness. You're halfway in, you took screw it. I'm already halfway through. So I'm just go. <laughs> and the story actually was an old story I heard a long time ago, the Kennedy brothers, where they would walk by a house and then I guess it was a huge fence, but there was an apple tree there. And they, they wanted to get to the apples. And so one day, I guess, you know, Robert Kennedy took his hat off and tossed it over the fence and said, well, hat's over the fence. Now we got to go get the, go get the, the hat because they really wanted the apples. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's little, in act, we use a lot of metaphors. We use a lot of stories because it helps to get past our natural defenses. We have, it's called an immunity to change. But if, if I use a story, I, I make it about, you know, an object out here that you can then relate to instead yeah. of it actually being about you, which then we become defensive. So stories are also really heavily in this book as well. Awesome. So I think that, and then just, um, I was surprised when I was all done, there was a certain level of, do I really want to put this out there? Cause I'm really putting myself out there. It's a, it's a vulnerability. Yeah. But once again, the values of compassion and unity and strength, th things that I, I believe in, those just, they override it. And the, the amount of good this can do versus my own internal fears. It's not about me at this point. It's, it's about the community that the book's been launched to. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing all those great tips. Uh, yeah, amazing um, advice, encouraging advice for anybody who's interested in writing a book. Could you talk a little bit about writer's block and did you experience that while you were writing at all? And if so, what helped you in that process? I think, um, yeah, a, a little bit. And it's funny because I've talked to others uh, about this as well. So whether it's writer's block, it's procrastination, it's perfectionism, 
basically it's recognizing that that's what's happening and not not allowing yourself to become fused to that as if it's that's all there is and and fixating on it so if i did find i'm like i have to do this every day for 90 days for an hour but if i ran into something and i was too much then i would actually go throw myself into the garden i was actually building a fence around my house at that time and i'm like yep. you know what it's okay fence today and then it would be funny I'd be out working on the fence and I'd get an idea and then I'd come back in. I would just throw it in. That was that's what was nice about Scrivener, is I could just keep throwing in little notes. And then I could arrange them. So all I had to do, it, it didn't have to be writing, but it had to be working on the book. It had to be working on the flow, the chart. The, so just stay in the project. And then of course, towards the end, I got to all the stuff that I had been throwing off. And I, I basically had to be like, all right, but the nice thing is is you're 80% in that to the project. Yeah. It's easy to start to chew through the hard stuff. You got momentum, you've got confidence. And then you start to ask yourself, do I even need this? Is that why this is so difficult? But now there's there's gonna be some spaces where it's gonna be difficult, there's gonna be a struggle. You're gonna to have to like, you know, bow down if you want to go back to the, the old heroics again, shields <laughs> down, swords out in front, and you just hack and hack and hack, you know, the, the the Roman wall just cutting everything down and <laughs> through. So not people. Um, words <laughs> yeah yeah i, I got gotcha. you yeah no i love those tips getting out there and just switching it up seems to to work well i think for a lot of uh, writers so one percent what can i do this just one percent forward that's it if that's a that's a victory yeah definitely well todd uh, i wanted to ask you now that your book's out there and uh, you know you've got it you've made it happen what's been the best part about writing a book for you well it's only been three weeks or two weeks it's been out and some of the feedback. So what was, what was one of the nicest things is I had somebody I'd never met who set up a consultation and came in and was like, this book has been amazing. It's really, it's, it's shaped. It's helped me answer a lot of questions. She was, she's just dealing with a particular situation. I don't want to get too heavily into, but that was really amazing validation. And then believe it or not, the other thing that really struck me, I didn't think it was going to be like, a oh, wow, is when somebody asked me to sign their book. Like they bought the book, they asked awesome. me to sign it. And I was like, that's kind of, that's really <laughs> surreal. You know? and, then, and I'm signing it and I'm like, this, this actually is my book. Because the first day I got the book, I pulled it out and I'm looking at it. And I was expecting to feel something and I didn't. It just felt surreal. I was like, okay, so my name is on an orange, you know, yellow or gold piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm looking at it and it's just like, I think it's going to take some time, but it's been slowly, it took like a week or a week and a half for that to settle in. And then now as I'm getting little pops, and my father actually said that that's exactly what happened with him as an author as well. It took being out in front of people and people saying, Hey, I really love this section. Yeah. That'll be, you know, that will make it meaningful in the long run. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, well, Todd, I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, and so if there's anything at all you'd like to share, or if there was a question you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? So along with the book, there one of the other things, because one of the very first uh, the rules in here is uh, do not go onto the internet looking for information, because that's what people will do, is they'll, they'll go and do that immediately, and they always find the most horrific thing that there is. So rule number one is, you know, Whatever you do, don't go to the internet looking for information. 
Rule number two is do not go onto the internet looking for information. <laughs> uh, do you know, get the flight, the fight club uh, reference, but that's what yeah, we're yeah. playing with with that. And then number three is when you go to the internet, which I know that you will, try to stick with reputable resources. And then what we're what I'm trying to do too is to build just a small network when if people find things, if you find something, if anybody who's reading this book finds something, what I'm asking them to do is if it's a something that's been extremely useful for them, send me the information. We're going to start listing that on. So the, the book is called Team Positive, but the website is called Be Team Positive because it's it's like an action. Be Team Positive. Yeah. Not us, because we're all in this together. And I'm really trying to, to, to build that as a resource center, no matter where you are. It's building more here in Charleston, which is where my, my family, a lot of my family is. Um, there's a few places out in Arizona. And then I have a, a colleague of mine in California. And we're slowly trying to put together just a bare bones piece that's to at least get you in the right direction. I don't know. If that becomes something bigger, great. If somebody else wants to do a smaller chapter of it, that's fine too. I don't know where it's going to go. But I really want to have a healthier, positively oriented place on the website. because. As we were talking right before the interview, one of the things we've noticed is if, if I go there, it's, it's just, what was me? This sucks. Don't trust these people. This was a bad thing. And it's, it's just a lot of negativity, which I understand you need a place to, to vent that. And so there, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing, but when you're actually trying to work your way through it, that starts to become an anchor. So I think that would be the, the, the final component is look out there because there are really good resources out there. MUSC in South Carolina, Dana Farber up here, um, with Brigham and Women's is where my wife went to, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic. I used to work at the Cleveland Clinic. I, I still stand by what they do out that way. Rainbows and Babies also there. You got to look, but there are really, it's called a, like a surrounding t- surround team or care team that will actually come in and just surround you and, and help you through the whole thing. One final note too is once you get through, um, there's also usually like weird thoughts that you might have once you've actually completed the quest. It's almost like you wish you were sick again so that you could have that connection that you didn't necessarily have beforehand. Yeah. And that's not nothing to feel guilty about. You, you had that support component. What that tells me is that what you really need to do is make sure that you strengthen your social connections after the fact because that may have been something that you would allow to, um, to decrease for atrophy over time, which is normal because we get stuck with our raising kids, going to work, and those things sometimes fall away. So it's really important to, whether you're sick or not, to make sure that you're trying to focus on love, work, play, and health. And by love, I mean your relationships. Work is the, what you do. Play is how do you re-energize? What do you do just for fun? And health, obviously, you know, physical, mental, social, spiritual. You can do those, you can keep those four in, in balance. And that's also in the back, one of the last chapters in this book, which gets into that in more detail. So, awesome time. That's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And uh, you're just doing some amazing work. And I can tell you're passionate about it. And uh, I know you're helping a lot of people. So well, keep, thank you, Aaron. Keep at it. You know, you ask great questions. And I really think that this is a fantastic uh, endeavor that you're on. And I hope that it becomes like bigger than TED Talks for you. So. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Todd. 
Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 